sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Big thanks to you, Johnny's and Africa. It's Monday, the 19th of February, and you're listening to Game On. Coming up today, there's a new star on the world swimming scene, and he's Irish. He's already taken the 800 metres. He was fourth in this event at the last World Championships. Boy, he's a big improver. He's a star on the scene now. And Daniel Whiffen is about to win the 1500 metres. A gold medal, his second of the championships. What a swim, what a time. 14.34.07. They're still coming in here for silver and bronze. Silver and bronze is right. In soccer, Stephen Kelly will discuss his old manager, Roy Hodgson, as he exits Crystal Palace. And Alan Cawley is live in studio for the rest of the news and reviews. Plus in Gaelic football, we have Peter Canavan on pressure for some and progress for others in the Alliance League. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552. We're on X at GameOn2FM. Or you can WhatsApp us on 087-187-9200. Game On on 2FM. Welcome along. Alan Cawley is with us in studio. How are you all? Marie, I am great. How are you? <laughs> Ruby, I am great. Why are you great, exactly? I'm just in good form. The bright evenings are coming back in. The League of Ireland is back. It's been a good weekend. I'm a happy boy. That's the main reasons, Ruby. Yeah, daylight does that. I, I know what you mean, Al. Like, I, I get that same feeling myself. Marie, you're just not quite as happy looking there. Please tell us you are. <laughs> Well, look, I'll get on the bandwagon of happiness come for on, the next Marie, hour, on. okay? I'm in. I'm up for it. It was a good weekend, though, so... Yeah, well, there every, every weekend is a good weekend, but yeah, some are probably slightly better than others, and I suppose because we love sport, we we tend to think every weekend is a great weekend because there's always great sport. Yeah, but though. it helps, though, when you can actually go outside and go to matches and that things haven't been rained off. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's a whole other show. We've, we've taken How many that hours to, do we have? We've taken that debate to Twitter, Marie. We're not going to uh, put it on the airwaves. Yeah, and even a bit a bit bright as well. I know, look, the Saturday league, Saturday night matches are working great in the league and there have been some great games, but um, ah, just even even daylight, it even looks like GA time of year. And I don't know. I just think it's a lot better. It is look at Ruby giving us a lift here on a Yeah, Monday absolutely. Evening. I'm loving it, Ruby. Wow. I'm rubbing off on you. Only around the corner, Ruby, as well. So exciting yeah, times 20, ahead. Twenty-three weeks. Is it three weeks in a day? Brilliant. Two days. The Cheltenham Festival. Yeah, fingers so. crossed. Okay. Well, we're going to get to our weekend sporting highlights in just a while, but we're going to get straight into the swimming because it was a magnificent weekend for Daniel Whiffen in particular. He secured a superb world title double. He stormed to gold in the fifteen hundred meet. Free, meter freestyle at the World Aquatics Championships in Doha and I'm delighted to say that John Rudd National Performance Director for Swimming at Swim Ireland joins us now John it must have been a great weekend Well it was uh, yeah, it was certainly a great way to finish off uh, eight days of, of terrific racing particularly you know we were on a real high after that first gold in the 800 freestyle earlier in the week but to double up and and win two golds, and then for Daniel to come away with swimmer of the meet, it was um, yeah, it was really the icing on the cake for us. I'm saying it was, and obviously the relay teams did well. And as a group, I mean, you're not just there minding Daniel. As a group, you must have been quite pleased with how it went. Yeah, this team is a real blend at the moment of um, you know senior experience guys that are trying to get to their second or even their third Olympic games, and then the young bucks coming through. Of you know, we've got to remember that Daniel is only 22 and. 
and there's a lot of young guys on that team, some experience in their first ever world championships. Young John Short, only 17, making a world semi-final. And as you say, um, the men's relay team making our first ever world championship final in a relay. And uh, with their result and the result the girls achieved at the Worlds last summer, um, both those relays, um, you know, now should receive an invitation to the Games. John, just over the last few years uh, since you have come into the role, have you seen a lot of progress been made? Because it feels like from the outside looking in that um, swimming has come on leaps and, and, and bounds in terms of performance. Yeah, I think it has. Uh, and I think it's, it's a, it's a holistic thing. It's in it's in every aspect. It's it's right down in uh, it's right down in our clubs and uh, and, and our coaches. Uh, it's right it's in our regions across all the provinces. It's in our national competitions. It's the way we go about our business. It's how we identify athletes, how we support them, uh, the standards we set to for them to represent Ireland. It's, it's a whole cocktail of different things. You know, the, there isn't something that you can put your finger on and say, ah, that was, that was what did it. it it's, a, it's a wealth of different initiatives and, and, uh, uh, and things that we put together over a six or seven year period. And, and we're now starting to see the fruits of that. And, um, and, and I truly believe it's, you know, we're, we're still embryonic in this. You know, we can, we can make uh, further steps forwards, you know, in the years to come. What steps? Where would you start? Well, it'd be nice to see our, you know, an Olympic medal this summer. Um, Daniel certainly has the capabilities of doing it. Um, it will be a different, it will be a different state of affairs to this World Championships. In fairness, a February World Championships is a is a strange place to have one. We don't normally have one in an Olympic year, and and different athletes will have been in different states of preparation, and some athletes chose not to go. So that's not to take away, you know, the the gold medal that he won. It, it, you, you turn up at World Championships and you beat the people in front of you, and he did that convincingly. Uh, but the Olympic Games will be a, will be a, a different a different state of affairs, and it'll be it'll be tougher. But he has the capabilities. Um, we'd really like to see Mona McSherry start turning some of these finals into into medal contending positions as well. She has the capabilities of doing that. Um, and then I think that once you once you have that momentum from from athletes of that nature, um, it inspires the generations to come. And and those youngsters that are going into into Irish swimming clubs at eight, nine, ten, eleven years of age, this is what they believe that they can achieve, and they can. And when you have that belief, and you have that momentum, uh, then the world's your oyster. So seeing is believing I think it's the best phrase that was coined in sport by women's sport a couple of years ago I think it's an incredible couple of words so when you look and I have have kids at swimming clubs I've been in the aquatic centre and watched thousands of kids and how well they run but when they see and believe that they can achieve what Daniel Whiffen is achieving is achieving do we have the infrastructure we've two 50 metre pools they're on two different sides of the country are we ready to maximise the seeing is believing um it can always be better. Um, we do we do have um, we do have a problem with not just with fifty meter pools, but we but we don't have enough pools on the island, uh, and some of them aren't functional enough for swimming clubs. But we have some extremely creative and dynamic clubs and coaches out there that that manage to do wonders with the resources that they have. Uh, what I'd like to see, you know, in the in the years to come, is how talented those coaches truly are 
by giving them the resources that that maybe we see in in the UK or or in Europe that that coaches of their ability just take as a as, as naturally for red. Um, and if and if we can do that, if we can generate uh, more pools, more water time available to swimming clubs, and and allow those coaches to really uh, blossom their talents over, over the years, then yeah, we we can we can see something really special. And with with Daniel uh, in particular, you know, he's just a regular guy. He's a 22 year old guy that um, has lived all his life in in Ireland. Uh, he swam in an Irish swimming club. He's gone to university. And he's just continued with his self-belief, his confidence, his dream, and that just shows, you know, anybody and everybody that if you if you have an ability, and you're willing to put in time and attention, uh, and you know, walk the walk and not just talk the talk when it comes to uh, training and commitment, then then th- these things are totally achievable. Grania Murphy, Olympian, also joins us on the line. Grania, thanks so much for coming on this evening. We all watched Daniel over the weekend and we'll be hoping to see him uh, do great things in the Paris Olympics and Mona as well and everyone who who heads off. But how difficult is it to go to an Olympic Games? What's the pressure like and what's the pressure and expectation like that comes with swimming for Ireland? Thanks, William, for having me. Um, I suppose it comes down to what pressure you put on yourself. But the guys there, especially Daniel, he's very versed within what he's doing. He's experienced, he's learning from it. And also, I think John referenced there previously, he wouldn't be 100% rested for Worlds. He knows that there is a few of his top contenders not there. So he's using this competition as a preparation meet for the Olympics, learning the different tactics he's going to go after. And that's from the night before getting prepared for the competition the next day in the warm-up, he has the heats, which will be in the morning, and then the finals the next day in the evening. So he's using every little detail now in the lead-up to the Olympics to be prepared and to manage his own expectations because we all know he's a, a determined athlete and he wants to be at the top of the podium all the time. He said it himself, he wants to be breaking world records. So he knows where he wants to go and he's working on, on that all the time. John, he's only 22. When do male swimmers hit their prime? Uh, that's a million-dollar question. Um, you know, Michael Phelps, uh, you know, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you t- if you if you take an average across the sport, it's it's a twenty-four to twenty-five-year-old sport. But then then it becomes event-specific, and you know, for instance, in the shortest event, the fifty-meter freestyle, some of those guys are, are coming are coming to their best in their early thirties. Now, the, dis- the distance events require some of the most gruesome and brutal training there is. Um, so, you know, I would think that Daniel is absolutely in the right place for, for delivering in Paris. And he's still got the age profile for, for Los Angeles in 2028 if he wants to around those events. So there's nothing that we need to worry about in terms of, uh, you know, longevity with Daniel at this point in time. Cronia, you obviously made the trek from Wexford to Limerick to train in the University of Limerick and, and go to school to get yourself to where you got yourself to. How big an advantage is it for Daniel to be in Lockborough in Leicestershire when you look at the facilities they have, the hotel in the elite athlete section? It just looks incredible. It does, and I suppose Daniel is, is always on social media. He, he puts up the good sides, but I think what's most important is finding a program that suits the athlete, and that is it's down to the coach-athlete relationship 
and everything that kind of surrounds it from strength and conditioning, psychology, and then also the facilities are really, really important. I was really lucky when I moved to Limerick, it was just starting as the high performance centre down there. And everything was like in place for me from a 50 metre pool on my doorstep. Yes, I did have to move school, but everything was there within five, 10 minutes of, of it. So it's, it is really important, but also that coach athlete relationship. If you're going to work with somebody, it's like going to work. You're going to 30, 40 hours a week, you're doing it when you're training. So you need to make sure that that relationship is really, really strong. I remember going down to visit you actually um, going in Limerick in the house you probably won't remember this because you're really young uh, to do an interview and just seeing all the swimming togs inside the door when I went in and um, you and your mum and you just moved house it's it's an amazing sacrifice that you made but is that what it takes really to to get to that top level? I, I think it is I think like you have to put yourself in the correct position you know and making sure that you've no stone unturned and that's exactly what I did um, whether it's a 50 meter pool it's a it's for for strength and conditioning whatever it is that you need like we are lucky that we have three performance uh, centres in Ireland at the minute between Limerick and Stilgone which obviously I'm I'm very thrilled to see then you've got Dublin and then you've got Bangor so within the three on on the island of Ireland if there isn't one there then athletes are looking elsewhere but there is the opportunity and the facilities I know John said that you know we can always get better but it's, it, it ultimately comes down to putting yourself in the best position to achieve the, the goals you want to achieve. And John, finding people that are willing to do the training that these athletes do, I mean, when you look at the hours, it is phenomenal. When you look through the youth in this country, do you see people with that attitude, that that walk the walk that you're talking about? Yeah, there's hundreds if not thousands of them. We see them every day in Irish swimming clubs. They get in up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning to go training before school. Um, they're trying to you know, make sure that they keep on top of their schoolwork and uh, hand their homework in on time and uh, you know, revise for exams. And then, and then they're back in the pool again in the afternoon and sometimes not until the evening because that's when their training is. And they put their social life on hold and their life in, in other sports you know, on the back burner a little bit and maybe spend a little bit less time with friends and family as they'd like to, but it's because they have a dream. And and in this sport, it does require time at task. You know, there are a number of hours in every week that, you know, they've, they've got to commit, but it's why when you see someone like Daniel who has to put in the ultimate amount of hours and metres ploughing up and down a swimming pool to swim the 800 and the 1500 freestyle, you know, the two longest events in the pool on the Olympic program. Um, they they see the they see the fruits of, of of what can happen when when someone does make that commitment. And um yeah there's there's hundreds if not thousands of of, uh, of young kids that that are doing that on a daily basis. They'll be in the pools now. They'll be in the pools now trying to be Daniel Whiffin and um you know it's our job to do all that we can to support them in the hope that they can reach those dreams. I just hope there's government officials listening that are going to build more pools because the hours they have to swim, at times they have to swim, is absolutely crazy, Marie. Yeah, I know Ruby's daughter is, is a swimmer, so she's often up early and he uh, never moans about it too much anyway. No, to it's, the night, it's the night and expecting kids that are in swimming clubs to go in after everybody's had their fun. Like, we're trying to make athletes in this country. John, I hope you get your way. I hope you get more pools on this island. Well, I'd be delighted if this... Uh if this conversation helps facilitate that, yeah, there's, it, as I said before, it, it's, it's not just more pools and we do need them. 
in in every decent-sized conurbation, you know, where there's thousands of people that live, we need a swimming pool. It's not just about swimming clubs either and competitive swimming. You know, this is a crucial life skill. and We do worry about whether, you know, every child on this island is learning something that could one day save their life before we worry about whether they want to be competitive in it. And then once those pools exist, it's, it's about those pool operators and local councils, you know, recognising that there's a huge amount of benefit to them and, and kudos and status that can be achieved if they do give swimming clubs, you know, good times of the day in which to train so that we don't have young people training until nine o'clock at night and then having to get up at four o'clock the next morning to go back to training. So, yeah, any, anything that can be done to support and help that, uh, this national governing body would be hugely grateful, that's for sure. Usually if uh, a sport wins a few Olympic medals, they tend to get a lot, lot of support after that. Uh, we had Gavin Noble, the chef, chef de mission for the Olympics, on uh, just a while ago, and he said that he's not afraid to talk about medals. Have you set goals, John? No, because medals are outside of your control. Um, you know, any swimmer could go to the Olympic Games and swim a lifetime best and smash the, smash the living daylights out of their previous performances and still not win a medal because your opponents um, just deliver an even better performance. You know, we've always set our targets around delivering in the moment, you know, going into on the day that matters, uh, embracing the arena and delivering your best performance. Um, that, that, that's your life-confirming performance as an athlete. And if that can be achieved, we have athletes that can challenge for medals. Um, so, no, there's no medal targets, but it's not to say that we don't want to win them. Gronya, how did you manage the pressure of expectation? I don't think I was really aware of it, being perfectly honest. And I think that was one good thing about me when I was swimming. Um, I worked quite closely with a, a sports psychologist when I was younger. And I think I was just so used to blocking out what was going out, uh, external pressures, and just going there to enjoy it and have fun at the at the highest level. And I think that's how you get there day in, day out. You have obviously tough times. And I think that's where I used... Um, the psychologist the most but yeah you just when you enjoy what you do you you sacrifice a lot but yeah you just manage your expectations you manage your nerves and you're always going to have little nerves coming into the likes of a world championships European championships and Olympic games but each time you go out and race you're practicing um, your race routine and how to manage them so it's it was just came down to managing them from time to time John, we're getting a great reaction to the um, results over the last eight days. Uh, one texture says, I think a factor in Paris will be likely to be having Nathan there too. It would be a brilliant story if both twins make it. Nathan was a huge lift to Dan in the short course championships. Nathan is, of course, Daniel's twin brother. Do you think that Nathan will be there as well, John? Um, well, the first thing I say is I sincerely hope so. And the second thing is uh, he has the ability and the talent and the work ethic to do so. Um, he's he's got a little bit of ground to make um, towards the Olympic qualifying time for our trials in May, um, but he absolutely has the qualities um, to to go to that trials and and do the job. So yeah, we'd be thrilled if he was on the team with Daniel. And as you say, it'd be a great story to have them both there. Um, so yeah, he's um, he's definitely a name in the frame for for one of the next places on the team. Gornia, it feels like a really exciting time for Irish swimming. It is, and I think like even over the weekend, listening to different people talk about Irish swimming, that people wouldn't follow it, they'd follow it every four years, and who are watching, not just Daniel and Mona and all the, the relays that were going on 
over the last week too. It's very, very exciting and, and exciting for young people going to, to clubs or even just learning how to swim at the minute, getting them involved in the sport, whether they compete or not, it's a life skill. But hopefully we'll see some more of them making Europeans and Worlds over the next couple of years. Okay, John and Gonya, thank you so much for coming on to chat to us about um, the last few days, I guess the last eight, eight days, but the weekend in particular, um, I think it was a, a brilliant one and a lovely way to finish the championships for Daniel Whiffen. We'll be keeping an eye on him and all the rest of the swimmers over the next few months as we head into the Paris Olympics. We're going to take a very quick break. Stay with us though. We'll be back with our weekend sporting highlights. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back to 2FM Game On. Myself, Marie Crow, Alan Cawley is live in studio. And we were chatting away there when the break was on. Marie, you want more pitches. I'm arguing for more pools. We need more pools and more pitches. I think you think of it. There's two pools in County Kildare. Yeah, it's, I was just thinking that when we, when you were chatting to John there, Ruby. Because like, we're crying out for government funding for obviously the pitches in the stadiums for League of Ireland grounds. Is it just that we're nearly too sport mad and everybody wants everything I think there's a real dearth of facilities in general oh, yeah. though like big time yeah. there's a spurting population we've a spurt then in problems as well that are related to people not being active enough like so we've a tricky spent, yeah but money's and exactly like astro pitches I even see like our own GA club like everyone's back training but the pitches are closed <laughs> so what's that brand it's just amazing to think that what money could be spent wisely could achieve yeah. I just think it's, it's it's. But to get to that point, what you need to know what money is being spent at the moment before you can start saying, you know, in my view, where where can we better spend it? And obviously, you have so many people. I have a little bit of sim. I've, I have, <laughs> I'm on two sides of the fence when it comes to the Minister for Sport, right? Because when we were banging the drum like this, and it was Jack Chambers before the current Minister for Sport, and he was going to matches... This is a criticism now. He was going to matches, he was showing up, it was all PR stuff and it was looking great and I'm the Minister for Sport and going up to Tala and meeting everyone, meeting greets and all that stuff. Next thing, his portfolio changes and Thomas Byrne takes over. He's the current Minister for Sport and he's doing something similar. But how are we ever going to implement anything when you have all those great intentions and you're doing the PR stuff but then you're changing portfolio a year later or six months later? So you're never really getting into the heart of it. Now, I'd love Alan, to think Thomas Alan, Byrne is going Alan, to get into Alan, Hartford. Alan, 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 the people behind them who make the decisions, they're still there. But but that but that's the point, Ruby, about if he's responsible for that, and to be fair to Thomas Byrne, I see him doing a lot now and he's and, and doing the stuff that I suppose he has to do, but I have a little bit of sympathy for him then when there was, there was recent uh, applications for funding around the football and clubs, and I could only imagine the amount of applications that are going in. And if you're trying to divvy that out, how hard is that job trying to give everyone a share like the amount of applications yeah, but it's local are... Al so and Mark Scanlon who's the director of the League of Ireland was at that Football Pathways presentation last week that I went to and in answer to one of the questions he was asked he said people need to get on to their local politicians so the next person that knocks on your door looking for your vote you ask them mm. what are you doing for sport in the area and you're hoping he's feeding it back then and if you keep putting pressure on your local politicians mm. then eventually it'll get up yeah and, and and I'm with you. Just look at it. I just think when you look at it, like, and you look at the, where people end up then because they're not doing enough activity or and the, and the health implications that come with that. And the mental health implications. All, all of that stuff. And I think sometimes prevention is easier than the cure. Build the pages. Put in the facilities. 
people formed are the good habits exactly from when you're young and I'm with you 100% I'm banging this drum for years but the, but the uh, where I have the slight bit of sympathy is it's hard as well I'd say to divvy it out and the other thing is with the, with the likes of politicians and I don't know any of them personally but do they really get it they think they get it they, they'll tell you to get it but they haven't a clue when it no, comes to this stuff we're not prime time so we're definitely not going bashing politicians right so we won't we won't go down that avenue but we're going to what we're agreeing going to agree with it though is if you start somewhere if you build a pitch in one area in the next election it's the next area you move there has to be a start and we need to see the start I think yeah there's definitely not enough meaningful development but the FAI have called for their funding for their facilities pathway plan and I think getting but behind like, but, that would be a really good way to start yeah and like the simple argument to that as well and obviously we're on the side of the fence of where, where we're, we want this is at the moment an easy and a lazy argument is oh we don't have any top level players playing in the Premier League but that starts at the 10 and 11 year olds and I'm going to match this weekend to Morton Umery and they're not playing enough football games are being called off like Mm-hmm. I'm going down I'm going totally off topic here in terms of as I said at the start of the show we won't go down that argument road but that's that's where it starts and that's what I'm saying about they don't get it the Ireland women's team wherever they'll be there for the photo shoots they'll be there for the senior team for the photo shoots but, but they, they don't, don't care that all the matches were called off this weekend that's what I'm saying they don't get it and there you have it in a nutshell <laughs> sorry and on. we'll be back Game and on I, was sick of it. <laughs> I was in great form at one minute past six <laughs> I knew I'd drag you down to my level I was really frustrated this weekend though Alan because we had four matches called off on Saturday which meant that the kids had nothing to do and they're sitting in because they're usually used to going out to wherever they have to go to but everything was cancelled and this see, was in, in North Dublin, South in the, good, in the good old days your kids would be playing rugby this time of year and they could have played away they played Sunday rugby now, and another thing nothing. and on top of that when the games are on the standard of pitches because the council's not cutting grass and leaving it's, it's embarrassing what's going on we're not happy now no. we're time for another break and we're going to move on to GA Game on on 2FM now, welcome back. We are going to turn our attention to Gaelic football. I'm delighted to say that Peter Canavan joins us now on the line. Peter, how are things? Yes, pretty. All's good. You watched a lot of Gaelic football over the weekend. Did you have a highlight from it? Um, highlight? Um, mm, it definitely <laughs> wasn't in Healy Park um, <laughs> yesterday, put it like that. That's where I was. Uh, when I went home, I suppose the highlight of the weekend, I was down and Tralee and mm. uh, I was really looking forward to the Kerry Mayo game I thought it was a slow burner slowly get going but um, anytime you get a chance to watch and view David Clifford you shouldn't miss it and the highlight of the game was his uh, the, the final kick of the game when the game was in the melting pot um, Kerry playing again a slight breeze you had a brave idea they're going to try and work at the Clifford here but you'd have thought there's no way Mayo's going to allow that to happen um, but they give him a, a, a glimpse of the goals from what 35-40 yards out and with his left foot he, he pinged it so if I was to pick a highlight of the weekend it, it would have to be that score Yeah I'd say there'll be a few people in agreement with you as well and Peter what is it about him like seeing him like I've seen him on TV very rarely seen him in person like what is it about what he does that's so captivating well first of all it's his level of consistency yet you have to admire yes there's genius to him but you know you often see in different codes 
the genius having an off day and for him and for what many people perceived was his off day was his misses in the All-Ireland final last year but virtually virtually every ball that was kicked in against a very good man marker Clifford was still able to win it he still had a massive influence in the game in terms that if he had kicked one or two and, and a number of them was narrowly wide on a very difficult day for you know for in terms of scoring conditions um, he still played to a high level and if he had kicked one or two of those points in Kerry win he was a, still a contender for man of the match because he helped to set up the, the goal as well so I would say con- his levels of consistency be it with club or with, with, with county are remarkable and every time he goes out Mary, he, he, he performs to a very high standard and we're, we're now at the stage um, towards the end of the game myself and Paul Flynn were asked to, to select man of the match and with 10 minutes to go Potty Clifford was in the running um, and, and Ryan O'Donoghue very much to the fore for Mayo and David wasn't really in it despite the fact he had scored at that stage four very good scores from play but we've become accustomed to it and if that had been any other player that played inside for Kerry or any other county and kicked those scores you would have been talking you would have been raving about it but such is the high standards that he has reached and he consistently de- delivers that maybe we're starting to take him for granted but I can tell you any team that plays against Kerry will certainly not take him for granted because he, he continues to shine Peter I've never watched him live but on television he never looks to be under pressure does he look that way live? Well, well, first of all, go and watch him live. Um, Ruby's the first thing you need to do. Um, I will, but you Claire don't usually don't get to play Kerry, so they're usually well they're out before Kerry get, appear. They're not going to get playing them for a while either. <laughs> Doesn't look that way. I oh, know. I'll disagree with you now. Just have a couple of soft games coming. Don't worry. I'm with Len Ryan, man. Yeah. Right, forever the optimist. Um, look, he's all good players have, have that knack, whereby you think they've got time on the ball um, but such for such a big man he's very agile and uh, you know it's one thing kicking high ball into him but whenever there's awkward ball coming into him and I mean ball coming in hard at his ankles he's still able to get you know his agility is something else he's able to get down roll over and his hands obviously he's very good and then when it comes to a defender um again because he's fast feet and he's got a good sidestep he can go either way he can kick off left or right and when defenders do get tight on him and it happened twice at the weekend where Rui Brickenden was on him and, and, and did a decent job on him by any defender standards uh, Clifford was able to, to literally push him out of his road or shrug him out of his road you know such as, as the physical strength that he possesses as well so hence defenders sometimes you know tries to sit back a yard or two and hoping that he's going to get some assistance from his other defenders um, but he's just look he, he, he's just something else to, to watch Yeah the kicking's amazing but I have to bring up your own two young fellas and the Sigerson, uh final during the week as well Dara and Rory and just the the fact that we're sitting at home watching it and it's the kicking it's the skills it's almost like they we've moved away from it and, and when we see it then we get so taken by it because we're not seeing that, that those skills as much as we used to Peter would you feel like that? Absolutely you're, you're 100% right and that's the nature of our game at the minute whereby so many teams 
are are flooding you know players back in and fans and, and supporters become frustrated and you hear them shouting in the stands kick it in kick it in but if you kick the ball in and the opposite you're kicking it straight to one or two sweepers then you look f- uh, foolish and, and coaches are saying why why did you do that such terrible de- decision making so inevitably you have more hand passing you have more teams having to play a running game you know because teams are, are getting bodies back but when you do have two teams that do go at it and do believe they've got the firepower to win it, then that can lead itself to an open game. It can lead itself to more kicking and, and better scores. And that's exactly what you had on in the, in the Sigerson final. And the performance of, of Derek Craig, mm. you know, to be on the losing team, uh, his his performance was, was breathtaking last Wednesday night. David Garden alongside him was very good. Um, so that shouldn't be overshadowed. But... My, my final point on on the Sigerson, uh, it's just a shame that the powers that be don't give it um, a better place in the, in the fixtures calendar to, to play it on a Wednesday night and, and in the middle of the National League. When those games now, the National League games now have more importance than ever before because it determines who plays in the Sam Maguire and, and who doesn't. So managers are under severe pressure. Players themselves are under severe pressure to play and to train with their county team. So, you know, I've said it for a while now, uh, I just hope that they, they, you know, give the Sigerson and the Fitzgibbon, Fitzgibbon the time and the place it deserves and, um, you know, before Christmas and to give as many players as possible the opportunity to play in those two brilliant competitions. So what would you make of Colin O'Rourke's suggestion then of playing the provincial championships first, leaving the league so the provincial championships are going along with the Sigurds in and the Fitzgibbon and then leave the league run into the uh, All-Ireland Series I would like to see that trialled uh, I think that there's merit in that Ruby because you know for the reason that I said earlier the, the, the league and the championship are now connected like never before so um, it seems strange that you play for your place in the championship and then you have a break for a, a, a different competition as such and then you're back in playing championship again, so uh, there would be there would be merit in, in, in trying that, and I think it, it should be trialled. Um, but in the short term, I, don't, I still don't think there's nothing to stop or prevent um, the Sigerson and the Fitzgibbon be played in, in December. And I know some people will say you're running into club, but for the clubs that make it through to to those to the All Ireland final stages, you know you're talking you're talking about a small number of players in comparison to inter-county players. Unfortunately, Peter, it, it feels like we have this debate at this time every year and then it's forgotten about yeah. and then it comes around again a year later and it's the the same uh, conversation. But I guess for for you guys, it was a great win and it was a fantastic match and you rightly so mentioned Derek Craig as well there. He was uh, phenomenal, um, such a brilliant player and it was a, a really good game as well. But there were some good games at the weekend as well. I know you don't really want to uh, mention Healy Park, but uh, for Galway, it felt like they really needed that uh, win over Tyrone. Well, it looked it looked that way, Marie, on the on the field of play, and you know I think Brian Duher referenced that after it as well that that Galway wanted it more. So that that was disappointing from a own point of view. But there there's a big difference in the two sides in terms of physicality. Throne are are blooding a lot of younger players now, and they, physically they're not at that same level as the Galways or or Mayo's, Kerry's, Derry's. Um, so 
we're going to have to suck that up for a while. There, there doesn't appear to be the same structure and pattern of play. It's hard to determine what the pattern of play is moving forward. When we have the ball, we've been very laboured at times, and that comes with with you know blooding a lot of younger players and and playing a lot of players for the first time. Ideally, the ideal setup and and maybe Derry's doing that, whereby they're they're bringing one or two young players into a very subtle setup and it's easier for them to, to shine and, 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 and to try and fit in and it's very obvious that there's a big gap there at the minute What about Derry then? Three rounds in, they've beaten Tyrone, Kerry and pretty much hammered Monaghan at the weekend can they sustain that form for the season? Well that's the big that's the big question uh, I hope they can't Ruby yeah. Um, I hope the runners <laughs> stay um, but to to put three seventeen past Monaghan and and the feature of the game was was the running power of their defenders. They had three defenders scored the three goals, and if you trace the moves back, they all started deep in their own half, and the pace and the power that that they come out with the, with the ball, you know. You know, a few years ago under uh, Rory Gallagher, they were very defensive. They were getting the bodies back, but similar to Donegal, whenever they won it, the next phase of their play was to improve the the attacking aspect. We got to see that last year. There was a big improvement in it, especially against Kerry in the semi final, and now that they've taken it to to another level. So that's the big that's the big question. There's a number of playing players there who've had a very long season. Um, as a case of, of can they sustain it but they're sitting top of the Division 1 table at the minute and that's that's fair at the minute they're the best team in the country and if they can sustain that they'll be sitting very high in, in another few months Dublin got off to um, got off the mark with a win over Roscommon Conan O'Callaghan the big talking point scored 7 points is there any debate over where he should play do you think Peter? Yeah, well, they've been again. Dublin are, are trying out um, a number of new players. Um, to me, it's 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 very obvious that that he's he's one of the best full forwards in in the country. Similar to David Clifford in many respects, in that he doesn't need quality ball played into him because he has the strength and the physique to to hold players off, to give them a nudge, to win his own ball, no matter what way it comes in. And similar to Clifford, as as he, as he showed on Saturday night, he can kick with with two feet, and he's very direct. We haven't seen him scoring as many goals maybe as he did a few years ago, but I think with a return to form, and it appears that he's getting there. Full backs and and defenders would would need to be wary. But in terms of his positioning, I would imagine when Dublin get everybody back at it again, um, they've only got one number fourteen. And then just finally, um, Peter, the Kildare-Armagh game was a tough watch. Can you make sense of what's happening in Kildare? It's, it's hard to understand what what's going on. I can't. Um, there's a, a serious dip in, in form there. They're not, and I'd say what's most disappointing to, to Glenn Ryan is that they're not even being competitive. You know, 216 to 8 points at home. Um, to any of the teams in, in Division 2 w- w- certainly is not good enough for for Kildare um, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes you don't know what uh, level of training that they're doing maybe they're they're doing a heavy you know block of, of training thinking of, of further ahead 
uh, our players not putting it in? Has he got his best players on the uh, on the pitch? Um, it's hard to know, but you know, as Kieran McGinley said, you can't question the character of the men that's mm-hmm. over that Kildare side at the minute. And if the players will not play for those men, then who who will they play for? So, I would say first and foremost, you know, the players have to take a good look at themselves, and um, they're running out of time now. They're they're sitting at the bottom of Division Two after three what after three games and the they may not be competing and and for for the sam mcguire and, and you wouldn't have said that at the start of the year Um, it will mean that if they don't if they stay where they are in the league the provincial championship becomes a massive competition they're, they're going to have to get to the leinster final if they're to play for the sam mcguire okay peter canvin thank you as always for that we're going to take another very quick break uh, do stay with us though Alan Cawley is standing by to talk football and will also be joined by Stephen Kelly. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. We are turning our attention to football. It was a busy weekend in the Premier League, but we will start once again with the continuing search for Republic of Ireland manager. So over the weekend, things seemed to progress a little bit when candidates were informed that they weren't, sorry, I should say reportedly informed that they weren't getting the job. And by the end of Sunday evening, uh, the name Chris Coleman had come to the top of the list. It hasn't been confirmed whether or not he's getting the job. All we know is that an appointment is imminent. I don't think we're 100% sure it's going to be, but it does seem like Chris Coleman is in the running, Alan Colley. Yeah, it's it's been bizarre, really, the way it's played out, Marie, and, and I think Damien Duff labelled it embarrassing over the weekend, and it probably is getting to that stage because going back weeks ago, I think we're 13 weeks now since Stephen Kenny finished up, and going back weeks ago, I always said we were never getting Lee Carsley. Then it played out that it looked like we were getting him. Then I was very surprised when it, it, it was nearly formalised. Then he did a U-turn, apparently. And now we're hearing over the weekend the stories and the reports it was down to the extra money that he wanted for his backroom team. But surely to God, if it was down to that, those conversations would have been had the first time they met him. So why did they let it run for 13 weeks? on that basis is beyond me then the other candidates I never felt Lee Lennon was getting it and I think they treated him pretty poorly because he's the only one that's come out and said he was really really wanted it and I think he's handled himself very well throughout the process because he was asked every time he's been on Premier Sport about it and he's been um, I think he's been treated pretty shabbily because I think they're reacting to what fans have been saying about him and not giving him the respect that he deserves and he by all accounts received a phone call to say he's not getting it at the weekend and then as you say Chris Coleman name, Chris Coleman's name is bandied about totally out of left field never really in the running did a brilliant job at Wales don't get me wrong uh, Chris Coleman when he was there but if you look at his last two jobs Marie one has been in China back in 2018 2019 that club is no longer there dissolved that he was with uh, head by China Fortune and his most la- his latest job was with Atromatus last year for a year where so, are they? Uh, Atromatus is Greece I think yeah so if, is you, it? So if you look at um, I suppose in terms of having your finger on the pulse in modern day football you couldn't exactly label that at him now whether you hold that against him I don't know but for all the talk that Mark Hannum and, and Jonathan Hill have made about aligning the manager with the future plans in terms of the underage teams and playing a brand of football and all the stuff we have heard, which sounds lovely and fluffy, 
but this does he align himself with what they're looking for in terms of the spec so I don't know it's just it's gotten very very messy they don't seem in control of exactly what they're doing right now because of the way the Carsley thing has played out because he was their obviously their number one candidate and it doesn't it doesn't look very good to be honest no one is going to drag on so we can moan about that one like we did no facilities if we wanted for the next 10 minutes too so I think we should just move on and well, let's get Stephen, Stephen Kelly. Kelly's thoughts what on do you Chris think? Coleman first yeah um, yeah, Coleman, it's, he's completely come out, I feel like. I, I hadn't heard that at all. Um, and all of a sudden, he looks like he's the favourite of the job. So, And I, as Alan so, you know, has put it, he's gone through his whole repertoire of jobs. And you know, apart from managing Wales, I, I know he was highly taught by the Fulham lads. Kit Simons was still involved with Fulham when I was there, and he was his background staff of Wales. But we used to joke and call them Bales because it was literally Gareth Bale. He was like, no offense to the other players in the team. But we are we, we are kind of competing at them on the national level. And I was playing with a few of the Welsh lads, so we used to call them Bales. But he was such a superstar for him. Not that Coleman didn't do a good job to get the semi-finals, but you know, you wouldn't have seen him coming in. And, and Alan said about Neil Lennon, they've just been stringing him along because he wasn't going to get the job. He, if they were going to give him the job after the first interview, they would have given it to him. Um, and that was so long ago. They were just holding him along before they got someone in that they felt was a better option, um, which they were hoping was going to be Lee Carsey. And as Alan said as well, which I back, I did not think he was taking the job <laughs> from the get-go. So um, it just seems a bit shambolic, to be honest. But listen, we'll, we'll see what happens. And it just it kind of shows what level we're at and who was willing to actually take the job. It reeks of desperation. So we're going to move on. What about poor old Ray Hodgson? Yeah, um, yeah, I know. Um, I've seen the comments from Danny Murphy's message and stuff and all and hopefully he's going to be okay. Um, Clapson is, is, is again to that age and his career. And the thing is with Roy is Roy is so hands-on. Like he is on the field every single day. He is dictating every single kick of the ball. He even starts the sessions by playing it in and I'm sure he's still at that now. So, you know, he he's very much wants to be full tilt win and I don't think he's ever let up and for a man of his age that, that's not gonna that's gonna be not gonna be easy. And with considering the way things have been going to Palace and the unrest with the fans, it was gonna be probably take its toll on him. So yeah, wish him the best and old old gaffer and he was uh to he's one of the best I've ever worked with. So I'm hoping he gets to recover as well and gets back soon. Well a bit of luck he will. Al, so where do we start? City and Chelsea? Yeah, great game, Ruby. What happened, Haaland? <laughs> he's allowed to play football. He's allowed an off day. I had to laugh. I think, um, I'm not sure who was interviewing Pep and asked him about, obviously, and Pep's not the best, I know the Drew, but he's not the best loser in interviews after the match when things haven't gone well. And uh, painful. <laughs> he's hard work. And the poor interviewer got shut down. like <laughs> um, Because he was basically I saying... Res- I, I respect him for that. He was basically saying, well, he had nine shots, yeah. If he has nine shots next week, he'll score three. So he was delighted. He spun it, he spun it completely around on, on the fact that he had nine shots and he was delighted with that. But he just had an off day, Ruby. That can happen even to the best, I'm sure. Did you ever have an off day? Oh, Al, I could write a book on off days. Yeah, and I'm sure you were lovely to the interviewers afterwards as well. So, um, it was perfect, so I was. So, yeah, it was. It was just an off day, but a brilliant game. I thought Chelsea played great and deserve a lot of credit. And it just goes to show, I suppose, the potential that's there uh, and what Pochettino is trying to to develop with that group and that squad of players. The one thing, I suppose, that's been missing all season and, and 
that's it's the part that they have to improve on and hopefully over time they will get there it's just being consistent and putting in performances like that because they showed on Saturday just how good they can be with that group of players finally they're getting a bit of a settled team as well which I think helps uh, particularly the, the, the midfield three Casado, Fernandez, and Gallagher um, Nicholas Jackson actually I thought played really well I know he missed a couple of chances as well but he played really well so I think Chelsea deserve a lot of credit out of it and it makes for such a brilliant title race now with the three of them and hopefully the three of them obviously Liverpool win and Arsenal win and well Arsenal are right back on track I think it's going to be a brilliant few weeks for us looking forward to the end of the season Yeah and hopefully well and Stephen Allen is looking for consistency from Chelsea is Eric Ten Hag just looking for consistency for maybe 90 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is um, but listen they got over the line again you know they're, they're so they're so capable of being better than what they are but they're getting the wins now Ten Hag is in a position where you know, you know he's fighting for everything because his job is under scrutiny more so than it's ever been with the new takeover. So, um, but this player is coming to the forefront, and I think maybe you know Highland is stealing some of the Haaland's mm. uh, goal poaching from the last few few months. Um, he's getting hit in good form. He's only young; he's only twenty years of age, twenty-one years of age, and and he is a, a very good prospect um, that ticks so many boxes. I and mean, you get those players firing in around them as well. Um, they they could be very good, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Top four push is gonna be great with United come back into it as well. So it's it's gonna make it really interesting. Yeah, well, what happened to Spurs though, Stephen? Oh, don't talk to me about Spurs. <laughs> oh, you know what the thing is? The only thing about Tottenham is you're like they did well to stay in there, and then you're thinking, right, Son is back from the Asia Cup, Madison is back fit, Van de Ven, Romero, all these guys are come back fit. We should be flying, and then two last games has not been great at all and then they lose the Wolves at home so yeah it's been really disappointing but the winning goal sorry Stephen Emerson Royale it's so poor oh. Like, the, and they conceded from their own corner like you're talking about oh, detail no. Ruby and Basuma lose it on the edge of the box Neto who Neto is absolutely brilliant and he won't be at Wolves next year runs 70 yards oh. but to allow him back in on his left foot Emerson Royale when he's going towards oh. the touchline so poor it's also it's not even like it's 3v1 Tottenham had five players back no mm. one picks up the man he pulls it back to in the box like, like it's 5v3 it's, uh, in Tottenham's favour it was ridiculously bad but oh, it was like kids all been sucked towards the man in the ball it was actually kind of embarrassing Arsenal obviously trumped Burnley Liverpool beat Brentford but what about tonight lads Everton and Palace Alan Colley 8 o'clock yeah heading home to watch it Ruby looking forward to it obviously the news of Roy Hodgson now will that galvanise the players uh, I'm not so sure because they've been on a, a poor enough run and they lost a late, late a last minute goal to Chelsea last week which didn't help and Everton fighting for their lives as well they haven't got news yet I don't think of the appeal so they're looking to narrow the, the points down but tonight's massive I think it's bigger for Everton particularly at home I think they have to get a victory they probably do and we're just about running out of yeah. time guys thank very much for joining us this evening Stephen Kelly you can go on Cheers. Lick your wounds over Spurs getting beat, Alan. Which is entertaining <laughs> as always. Hope you leave the show as good a form as you came in. I'm still in great form, Ruby, always. Marie, thank you. I think Better Silva's up next.